0: Hey, I'm so excited to start a brand new series today. We're starting a new series on the miracles of Jesus. And we have been studying the life and teachings of Jesus since February. And we have, we have said that you can't really follow him unless you know what he said and what he did. And so we've been spending this year looking at that. We looked at the Sermon on the Mountain. We saw how he raised the bar to remind us of our need of a savior. We've looked at parables and how practical his applications are in order to apply them to our everyday lives. We've looked at his interactions with people and his compassion and, and just the way he interacts. And, and, and people are amazed by his authority Of course, he's the son of God, but even people who haven't realized that yet and acknowledge that, they're amazed by the authority of his teachings. But if the authority of his teachings are not proof enough, we have this other element that's part of the story of Jesus. There's so many things that we could look at, but this idea that Jesus has done miracles, did miracles while he walks on the earth is absolutely powerful, and it gives him yet another measure of authority. But here's the thing and one of the reasons why we're doing this series. I hope this, I hope that you'll be here each and every week. I know it can be a challenge. I know there's people watching at home today who are sick and we'll see you back here next week and, and I know it can be tough but over these next few weeks as we journey together and even as we journey into Christmas and I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to be looking at there but as we journey through this miracle series here is what I hope happens in your life and in our church's life. My prayer, my hope is that God will give us a miracles still happen faith. A miracles still happen faith. I'll go ahead and just let the cat out of the bag that that is what I'm hoping for. Miracles still happen. We're doing a series on miracles. I mean, if you do a series on miracles, here's the thing. I was raised Baptist. If we do this series right, all the Baptists are going to be really uncomfortable and think we went too far, okay? I have one part of my family that's actually charismatic. You guys are all going to think that we haven't gone far enough, all right? So that's going to happen. I'm hoping that the Presbyterians wake up and realize they don't know everything. Love you. It's all good. And I'm hoping that the Methodists just wake up, all right? So this is going to be a good series, all right? (laughs) There's a lot of uncomfortable laughter today. It's okay, there's a lot of guests here today. Just reach over to them and apologize. Say, I'm sorry. Pastor Brian will be back next week. I have all of those. Listen, I have all of those folks in in my family. So they're all throwing stuff at their computer screens or whatever right now. And so I I understand all the different backgrounds. And I know that as we look at miracles, it it, it can be challenging in a lot of different ways. But I truly believe in my heart that God wants us to have a miracle still happen faith because I see it every day. I see God answer prayers. It seems like it's a part of the privilege of being a part of a church like this one. Every time God answers a prayer, it's a reminder that miracles still happen. I mean, there have been people in this church over the last weeks and months that have absolutely hit rock bottom. And God has raised them up again. And it's a reminder every single time that miracles still happen. We have had people in our midst that our elders have prayed for, pastors have prayed for, who've had physical ailments over the last weeks and months that today are praising God because Jesus has healed them. And today they are walking around with a miracles still happen faith. We have people in this church who have had cancer. Over the last couple years, there are a couple people over the last year, I should say, who have cancer, who had that diagnosis, who were told they had no chance. We didn't think they had a chance. The doctors didn't think they had a chance. But today, they are here. They are cancer-free. And the doctors are going, we don't know what's happening here. God has done it. Jesus has healed them. And we share those stories to say all things are possible with a resurrected savior. Nothing is impossible. So don't be uncomfortable with it, but rather embrace a miracle still happen faith. Every time a marriage gets turned around and it could happen today. Every time a marriage gets turned around, when you have thrown in the towel and you think there is no hope, and then God raises the two of you back up to new life, that's a miracle. Miracles can still happen. It can still happen today. Every time someone passes from death into life and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's a miracle. And God wants to remind us of that today. And he wants to remind us over these next several weeks so that we will live our lives with a miracles still happen faith. That's what I want our prayer lives to be ignited with and saturated with today and that's where it begins by the way is with prayer but I want you to pray with a miracle still happen faith I want you to worship every time you come in here and we come in we sing together that there's no one higher and that it is well with our souls I want us to be singing and proclaiming it with a miracle still happen faith let our generosity let the way we serve one another be just saturated and ignited by a miracles still happen happen faith. May our entire church have a reputation when people talk about Westridge, may people talk about it and say, I'm not sure what's going on there, but those people believe in Jesus. They believe that God's word is true and they walk around with a potential and knowing and a confidence in knowing that miracles can still happen. I want you to walk out of here today, perhaps with a dream that died as you walked in here, where you thought that God could not use you anymore, that God was done with you. And I want you to walk out of here with a confidence that He has risen and with a miracle still happen, faith. Let it happen across this place. Here's what you need to know about miracles as we start this series today. So the introduction's a little longer, but here's what I want you to know these are not magic tricks. These are not clever little illusions and things that Jesus just kind of pulled off. Magic tricks just manipulate and they fool people. That's not what this is, okay? And they cannot be explained naturally. The next time that you're watching cable and somebody tries to tell you what magic trick Jesus did to feed 5,000 people, or they tried to tell you that there was a comet instead of the Bethlehem star, just know, just turn it off and just know that you cannot explain the supernatural with natural causes, And here's a different lens I want you to think of as you consider miracles. And this comes from Tim Keller's book, Reason for God, just kind of summarizing some of his thoughts this morning. He says, miracles are not the disruption of the natural order. Rather, you see, God did not create a world with, with famine, disease, loss, death, wars, ecosystems out of control. Miracles are actually the restoration of the natural order. Miracles are glimpses of original creation and the restoration work that is part of our promised hope and future in a new heaven and a new earth. Miracles are God giving us a glimpse and putting things back into place. So why would we study miracles? I mean, there's lots of things. I mean, a year on the life of Christ is not enough, but why do we choose miracles? I love how pastor John Piper says this. He says, when we finish reading about a miracle, we ought to pause and say, Jesus show me what this is saying about you. Jesus, this is supernatural. This is out of the box, but it's true. So Jesus, with my circumstances and what I'm reading in your word, what does this show me about you? I wanna give you the opportunity to pray that right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And if you're online watching at home or you're watching later, would you just take a moment and pray with us? just bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want to ask you, but as we open God's word to say, Jesus, show me something about you. I don't know what has been going on in your week and your life before you walked in here, but let's pray it all together. Lord God in heaven, we didn't walk in here. No one walked in here to, to hear me or we came here to hear you. We came here to hear your word. Lord, I didn't show up here today to hear myself talk. But God, we can say it has been good to be in the house of the Lord if your spirit would would move and speak through these words. And God, every single one of us in here is in a different place in our walk with you. Every single one of us in here are facing different circumstances. But today your word is true. Teach us something new of the Savior today that we may walk with him stronger, and more confident than we ever have before. God, give us a miracles still happen faith every single one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The New Testament records 37 miracles of Jesus. And if you take them chronologically, today we're looking at approximately number 12. You might get a little bit of a nuance there as you look at different chronological lists, but as best as we can tell, this was number 12. It's found in Matthew chapter eight, Mark four, and in Luke chapter eight. And I hope in your group this week that you'll spend some time reading from from all three of those. If, If you're in a group or in your family, at your table, I hope that you'll do that. And we're going to look today at Mark chapter four. So you might have it there in your app. You might have your Bible with you. You might have it on, on a U version or whatever you've got, but open up, if you would, to Mark chapter four. And as you're doing that, I have to say, we're going to look at Mark's account of this. However, I do like how Luke starts this out. So I just want to give you how Luke starts the story. Luke 8, says, now on one of those days, anybody know what that's like, right? Now on one of those days, you all know what I'm talking about. You get ready to, to go to work or school like, like any other day and you get about two miles from the house and your car starts making noises that are, that are not of this earth. They're, they're not anything that belong to come out of a car. And next thing you know, you're on the side of the road and before you say what you should say to God, you say a bunch of things that you shouldn't say to God and then you say, oh boy, it's going to be one of those days. Some of you would say you've had a handful that you would, of days that you would classify as, as one of those days. But some of you would say you actually had a that day. You remember that day. Not just one of those days, but that day when your boss walked in and said, you know what? Uh, we're downsizing some things around here and your position is no longer necessary. It was that day. Some of you remember that day when the doctor called and said, you know, I'm going to need you to come into my office. We're going to have to talk about your results face to face. Some of you have had a that day when the circumstances of your life, that a hope or a dream you really thought was taking off. And then all of a sudden the rug got pulled out from underneath you. And you had that day when you had to call mom or dad and say, you know, I'm going to need a little more help. In fact, I'm going to need my room back at least for a little while. And both you and mom and dad say, oh boy, it was that day. It was that day. And the disciples are about to have more than just one of those days, they're going to have a that day, which is why I think in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, he starts off the story like this. On that day, on that day when evening had come, we're gonna read the whole story today, by the way, and then we're gonna go back through it bit by bit. When evening had come, he being Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. So Jesus and the disciples getting in the boat and other boats were with them. So a bunch of Jesus' followers. And here's what happens. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. That would be with water. But he was in the stern, Jesus, asleep on the cushion. That's powerful. That's good sleeping right there. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher! Do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Well, who is this? I mean, they've seen at least 10 other miracles, but on this day, on that day, they actually stopped and said, who is this? Now, I love that some of these stories and some of the parables that we have, we have three different versions of them from Matthew, Mark, Luke, the synoptic gospels. And we kind of get three different accounts, a little bit of nuance here and there, but basically we get three different eyewitness accounts. And we're looking at Mark today. And Mark is actually a young man who was writing down what the apostle Peter told him to write down. So this is Peter's account today, but we're not eyewitnesses. We're not people who got to see it, but I want you to try to just visualize this just a little bit today. So I wanna show a picture on the screen. This is the Sea of Galilee. I've had the opportunity to be there a couple of times, really just a massive lake. It's crazy when you're on the Sea of Galilee or when you're in this area, you cannot help but think about, first of all, this is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, but also in the scheme of things, this would be a pretty insignificant place if it hadn't been for Jesus. I mean, really and truly, there's still to this day, just a bunch of, of little towns at best. And most of Jesus' ministry happened on the North shores of this little sea. And we were out there on a tour a couple years ago. And it's just, it's just beautiful. It was beautiful in the morning and you're just, you're, you're on a boat and you're thinking about what may have happened in this place. But there's something else I want you to understand because in Israel, the land is part of the story whenever you're in Israel and then you go back and you read the scriptures, you can't get away from it. The land is part of the story. So show the next picture. This picture was taken from what's known as the Mount of Beatitudes. There's a beautiful chapel there that the Catholics have built. And they think he told, he gave the sermon on the Mount at least one time, approximately in this area. But look at the mountain range back behind there, if you would, for just a second. The Sea of Galilee on all sides is surrounded by hills. This is basically God's harp-shaped cereal bowl. That's really what it is. In fact, some of your bibles say this is the sea of Gennesaret and you're like, are we in two different places? No. That's actually a Hebrew word for harp. And so, when you're up on the hillside and the day that I was on this hillside, I got to tell you, the wind was blowing like crazy. And you could see a little bit of chop in the water, but but nothing crazy, nothing too nuts going on in the water. But standing on the hillside, I mean, we honestly were not up there very long because it was just so windy that it just ended up kind of being like, well, we should go somewhere else and maybe the wind will have died down a little bit further down or whatever. It's just the terrain of this area can create some crazy conditions in a hurry. And if you go even a little bit further up to the Golan Heights, as the Golan Heights, as the wind comes down through that area or if a cloud were to come over and there were to be storms, in this particular part of the world, the sea could get choppy in a hurry. And all of a sudden, what was supposed to be a relatively short and calm trip ends up being one that's chaotic and where you find yourself in the middle of a pretty good storm pretty quickly. In fact, it's reasonable to think in this part of the world, on the Sea of Galilee, that you could find yourself in a storm you never saw coming. And I think everyone can relate to this story, at least on that level. Whether you are at this point a believer in Jesus or not, all of us have had one of those days where we find ourselves in a storm we never saw coming. And it's interesting to admit, and maybe even challenging to admit, if you're a believer in Jesus today, your worldview teaches you that not only could you end up in a storm that you never saw coming, but Jesus saw it coming. Isn't that challenging to admit some days? I mean, Jesus saw it coming. And what did he do? With not just the disciples, but with several boats, the scriptures say, he said, Let's go. They didn't see it coming, but he did. Now, be honest with yourself for just a moment before God. Be honest about those days that you lived through or that day. Isn't part of the struggle that your belief in Jesus teaches you? He must have known. He must know. And still you find yourself in a storm. It's one of the most difficult parts of the story, I believe. It's one of the most difficult parts of the storms we find ourselves in our lives. But it's interesting to read this account and think about it through Peter's understanding because he's ultimately who's telling the story even though Mark's writing it down. He's telling it the story later after the fact, after we all know what's happened, including Peter now, and in verse 36, Peter says, we got in the boat with Jesus, we got in there with him just as he was. I think that's a fascinating detail. Coming from Peter, who later on now, he knows who Jesus was, but on that day, we were with Jesus just as he was. We had seen him do miracles, but this was different. We knew that he was something special, but this was different. And for some of you, when you think back on those days or that day, you realize that you know him now way differently than you knew him then. And that has to be at least a part of the reason for the storm and for the story. Verse 37 says this. A great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. You say, How does this happen? Well, even earlier this week on Lake Michigan, a Coast Guard crew was called to rescue three people and two dogs because 33 mile an hour winds created seven-foot waves. The people from the boat they called a local tow company who said, No, thank you, we are fine. That's not a good phone call. And so somehow through the boat or maybe through the towing company didn't wanna go, they got a hold of the Coast Guard. And the Coast Guard had to go out and rescue these people from sudden winds and sudden waves. And that's exactly the kind of circumstance you can find on the Sea of Galilee. What was previously going to be an ordinary trip becomes treacherous and chaotic. What was going to be an ordinary day, what was going to be a normal day, what was going to be something you, pred- you could predict and write and everything was going to be good in your planner. It was all worked out. And yet the day becomes treacherous and chaotic. And the word used for windstorm in this particular passage indicates there may have been a tornado, there may have been a waterspout. We don't know what it was. But what we do know is that at least four of the people with them, four of the disciples are fishermen, and they are in a full-blown panic. The size of the waves is causing the boat to take on water immediately, and even the fishermen are afraid. And where's Jesus? In the back of the boat, sleeping. He's got peace. He's doing just fine. He's a little tired from teaching all day, from dealing with people, and he's sleeping. Don't you envy people that can sleep like this? I was sleeping like this one night earlier this week, and my 12-year-old walks in at 3.38 in the morning. I remember, because I looked, and he says, Dad, in full voice, like he's trying to wake me up. Dad. Dad. Did you hear that? No. (laughs) I was sleeping till you walked in here. Now, I don't think Jesus got up quite like that. But it happens that they woke him up in verse 38 and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, come on. I don't care how many times you've seen it on flannograph. I don't care how many times you've heard the story. I don't know if Mark Burnett's made a movie about this one yet. I'm not sure what's going on, but take this in for just a moment. A sudden storm that's got the fishermen scared. And he stands up and you rebukes. He speaks loudly to the wind and the waves. Peace be still. And they're still, what a scene. What a moment. I cannot help, but think he wanted them, maybe even needed them to see this. And everything I know and believe about the son of God would tell me that he knew the storm was coming. And these poor guys got taken into the squall for their own sake and also so that they could write it down for us. What are the questions that you have in the storms of life? I can tell you, I'm in a room full of people that most of you would say, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe he can do miracles. I believe he's risen from the dead today. You you really believe that? Have you got confidence in that today? You believe that all things are possible? Yes, I can believe that. There are other people in the room today that are skeptics, that maybe have just walked in here trying the church thing out. They got invited by someone, and they're going, really, are you guys just going along with this for a second? You believe that the Son of God calmed the waves. He spoke to the storm, and peace be still. You guys are believing all that? Absolutely. We believe all of it. It's not just a story. It is the story. It actually happened, the Son of God has this kind of power? That's not our question today. Most of the time, the questions in the storm are different. It's why is this even happening? God, couldn't you have stopped this? God, do you even care? And I know that there are some here today who would say, you know what, I've I've been through storms before and I didn't really do the Jesus thing. I just kind of held on and I made it and I made it and I'm, I'm here today. So what difference does any of this make? 37 miracles in the New Testament and they all teach us something about Jesus. And there are things we can marvel at and applaud But here's why this one is important to me. The first one is really obvious. We're all gonna go through storms in life. We can all get that application walking in here today. Storms are used as metaphors all over literature and movies and things. We get it. There's gonna be storms in life. I get it. But let me give you this from a pastor's heart. I've seen way too many people go through the storms in life and forget who they're in the boat with. I've seen way too many people Go through the storms of life, even Christ followers, and not stop to awaken Jesus, who's there in the boat with you. I've seen way too many people abandon ship to go through a storm in life and say, I'm done. If he let this happen, if he knew this was coming, then I'm out. Way too many people. Sometimes our response and sometimes our faith would lead you to believe that something different happened in this story. I mean, imagine for a moment, if the disciples woke Jesus up and Jesus is in a panic. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Why are we even out here? Well, you guys should try the prayer thing quick. Quick. No, I'll just run it on up the chain. Right now, I'll take care. But I'm not sure there's going to be anything we can do. Isn't that how we treat him sometimes? Oh, man. Your hours were cut. And the car broke down. Whew. That's too much for one day. Listen, you gotta space this stuff out. One prayer request at a time. I'm not sure there's anything we can do about this. You see, the abandoned ship mentality communicates less about whether or not you believe you can handle it and more about whether or not you believe he can handle it. The abandon ship mentality forgets who we're in the boat with. And I don't want to be insensitive because I know for a lot of you, it's a lot worse than this. And I've certainly had worse in my life where you lose someone suddenly or you're betrayed by someone or you're cheated on or disease creeps into your life, to your family, where your dreams get squashed and life really and truly, you're just hanging on. Life feels more like motion sickness. You just want to survive it. But consider for a moment what it means that he is with you. Consider for a moment what it means that he did not send you out. He didn't just push off from the shore, but that he is in the boat with you. Consider for a moment that his dreams and that his plans are better for you than what you had in mind. Consider for just a moment that even this storm is just a part of the story, that there's not a period at the end of this storm or this story, but rather it's a comma. Listen, you never find out if you just abandon ship or just try and hang on and survive. But when you awaken Jesus, you find out what you had all along. The presence of God. Who stands up and speaks to the storm and says, silence, hush, be still with such power, such authority. It's the same words that he has used already a few days earlier in casting an evil spirit out of a demon in the town of Capernaum. It's the same words that you use to cast evil spirits out of your children when you want them to hush and be still or your spouse, whatever it may be, hush. Be still and immediately what happens, they're still. No scientist can explain this away. The wind and the waves are immediately still at the voice of their creator, a great calm. And one of the most beautiful places you've ever been, go still again. Imagine everyone in all of those boats with their mouths dropped to the deck of the boat that they're in. And then to hear these words, verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He's not yelling anymore. He's not rebuking anymore. I mean, I don't know the tradition that you grew up in. I grew up in some conservative churches where everything sounded like a rebuke. And so when this passage was read, that was a joke, by the way, keep up. The, uh, (laughs) When you hear this word, it's, where's your faith? Why do you have so little faith? But what if it's not a lack of faith in the fact that he's the son of God? What if it's not a lack of faith in the fact that he can? What if it's not a a lack of faith in the idea that he's powerful enough? I mean, what if the lack of faith is wrapped up in all of our questions? Why did this have to happen? Did we have to go through this? Jesus, do you even care? And all the helplessness and the restlessness and the anxiety that we deal with from time to time becomes greater than our faith and communicates, Jesus, we're not sure you can handle this. And all of us at some point in our lives know exactly what that feels like. But what if his loving, compassionate response is don't be afraid? You are never alone. You were never unloved. And it is well today because through it all, I was right there with you. I love how Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, the worldly people apart from Christ, the worldly blesses God while he gives them plenty, but the Christian blesses him when he smites him. He believes him to be too wise to err And too good to be unkind. He trusts him where he cannot trace him. Looks up to him in the darkest hour and believes that all is well. And I love how singer-songwriter Babby Mason sang this years ago. Maybe you've heard it. When you cannot trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. I mean, what does it mean that he is with you in the middle of even the worst storm? In the middle of the financial storm, in the middle of the cancer, in the middle of the doubt, what does it mean for me today? You don't have to be afraid. You have his presence and you can have his peace. Isaiah chapter 43 from the message says it this way. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you, God says. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God. What does it mean that he's with you in the storm today? You don't have to be afraid you have his presence. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, for he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's on the heels of a talk about money, by the way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He is right there with you in the storm. We are promised his presence so we can have his peace and we can have his power. Hebrews 13 will go on to say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So the one that can speak to the storm and say, peace, be still, can still speak to your storm today so that you can have confidence that miracles can still happen. No matter what circumstances have told you before, no matter what doubts have crept in before, no matter whether or not you, you have thought I'm unloved, he doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. It's not true. Rather, you can have a miracle today. You can have his peace today. You can have his presence. You can have his power. It's all at your disposal today. He's still the God who does miracles. He's still the one who can speak to the storm. And I know it's a challenge when you feel like you've been passed over and the miracles happen in someone else's life. I know it's a challenge when you're in the middle of the storm. I know it's a challenge when storms in the past have not gone the way that you thought they should go. But if you'll take him at his word, if you will take him just as he is, you will discover fresh and new today who's in the boat with you. He's done it before, he can do it again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever You'll discover the one who, if he chooses not to speak to the storm, he will ride with you all the way through. In the 1800s, a man named Horatio Spafford. He's a businessman in Chicago, lawyer, very successful guy. He has five children, he and his wife, Anna. One of them passes away in 1871. And later that year, the great Chicago fire hits and removes so much of what he has worked his whole life for. It is a double whammy. It's a storm like none other. Years later, he and his family are planning a trip across the Atlantic Ocean. A Business issue comes up, something unexpected. And so he decides to put his wife and their four children on a ship to cross the ocean and he would join them later. And on that voyage, something sudden happens, something tragic happens, and within minutes that ship goes down. A rescue boat would come by, and a rowboat would come by and see a lady hanging on to pieces of the ship. It was his wife, Anna. She was rescued, but all four of their remaining children were lost. She wires him from across the ocean, sends him a message to say, I alone am saved. Now, what do I do? He lets her know that he's gonna join her. And sure enough, he gets on a boat and he leaves. And about four days into that trip, a captain calls him down into his quarters. and says, I want you to know It was in this area that your children were lost. He goes back to his room and he begins to write in his journal. When peace like a river attendeth my way, peace. When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever, my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Through it all, he will never leave you. And if I had been through what you had been through, I would have some doubts too. I would be struggling too. In fact, I probably wouldn't be doing as well as you're doing. But I can tell you today that he still does miracles. And at the end of it all, you will have his presence. He will give you a peace that passes all understanding, that guards your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. And he will give you the power to get through, or he will speak to the storm for you. But he can be trusted. And we can have a confidence in who he is today and learn to develop a miracle still happen, faith. Would you bow your head with me? As we prayed before, I'd invite you to pray again. Jesus, show me what this is saying about you. That prayer from your heart to God's, it's interesting because it's gonna be different for everyone in the room. Your circumstances are different than the family down the row. Your life is gonna be different. Your decisions are gonna be different. He says, I'll never leave. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. I'm still here. I haven't walked off. And he'll give you his peace today and the power to get through. Jesus, what does this teach us about you? Speak to every heart today. If you're here today, you've never put your faith and trust in your creator. You are created by God for plans and a purpose. I do have to tell you today, this promise of his presence is not there yet, but it can be. If you would put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and receive him as your savior, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll carry you through. So you can pray in your own words. I'll give you a sample, but pray in your own words right now. If you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ right where you are in that seat from your heart to God's, just say, God, I come before you right now. Not expecting to do this today, not even understanding all that I need to understand. But God, I want to come before you like Jagger Moxie, like Declan Hallman, like all these kids and adults we've seen today. I come before you with childlike faith. I just understand just a little bit today, God. I know that I need you. I know that Jesus died for every mistake I've ever made for all the ways I've fallen short. But I believe that he's risen today and all things are possible, including the presence of God in my life from this moment on. If you pray to put your faith and trust in Jesus today, would you please, before you leave today, were offer a get connected card when you walked in. If you didn't receive it, you can get one on your way out. You can get it at our help center. And fill that out and let us know how we can come alongside you. We'd love to get you in an environment where you can learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus, speak to every heart. Everyone who's in a storm or just came out of one or is about to go through one. Today in each of our lives, we take you just as you are because that's how you take us. Grow us today. Make us more into the image of your son and begin to grow the seeds today and may they grow wild of a miracle still happen, faith. In Jesus' name, amen.